0: You are listening to the ForceCom Frontline, bringing you to our soldiers on the front lines of readiness. Welcome back to the ForceCom Frontline. This is season two, and I'm your host, Ashley. This season, we are doing things a bit differently. We will be adding more episodes each month, but these episodes will be a bit shorter. You can expect 20 to 30 minutes for the most part, unless we have a topic or guest we really want to spend a bit more time with. Each month, we will look to focus on an overall theme. For example, this month we are talking readiness. This episode will dive into what readiness is for FORCECOM, how we track readiness, and what it will take to get to a ready force. Then later this month, we will discuss two specific programs designed to improve readiness. The 1st Infantry Division's Operation Victory Wellness and the Army's Holistic Health and Fitness Program. On January 20th, you can listen to our conversation with Major General D.A. Sims, 1st Infantry Division Commanding General, about Operation Victory Wellness, what the program hopes to achieve, what successes were had during the first year, and what they will do moving forward. Then on January 27th, I'll speak with Colonel Marcus Hurd, 1st Corps Deputy Surgeon, about the Corps' implementation of holistic health and fitness, what is unique about the program, and how it aims to improve soldier and unit readiness. But today, as I mentioned, we will be talking readiness from the Forcecom foxhole. Forcecom mission is to train and prepare a combat-ready, globally responsive total force in order to build and sustain readiness to meet combat and command requirements. But how do we do that? Well, the Forcecom commander's three priorities, as well as the armies, are people, readiness, and modernization. And to achieve this, there are six Forcecom major objectives: care for soldiers, families, and civilians; strengthen leader development deliver decisive total Army readiness, master the fundamentals, empower and execute reform, and inform and implement the future force. All right, so to help us dive a little bit more into this conversation and really understand how all these things work together is Colonel Pat Stitch, Colonel Fred Ortiz, and Colonel Mark Giraldi. So thanks guys for joining me. Thank
1: you. you. Thanks for having us, (laughs) Ashley. All
0: right, so we're first gonna talk about building readiness, so Colonel Stitch, when we say readiness and building readiness, what what does that mean?
1: Yeah. You, I, I, well, so first off, uh, on behalf of the Force Common G3, Ashley, thanks for giving us this opportunity to come together today. The, the three of us guys work together hand-in-hand hand on a daily basis. And, uh, and even though uh, we have uh, d- deliberate lines of effort within uh, the G3, we, we have to work in a synchronized fashion on a daily basis in order to to uh, generate this readiness that you're talking about uh, on behalf of the Force Command commander. And so thanks for giving us an opportunity to, uh, to have this dialogue today with you. When you and I were talking earlier uh, today uh, you, and, and I was inquiring about you know, what, who, who is the audience that yeah. we want to talk to here today? And you said really almost anyone, but uh, principally our soldiers and even subordinate commands within Forces Command. Um, and, and so uh, the, the question of readiness for what? Well, really, at the end of the day, it it becomes readiness to fight and win uh, our nation's wars. And that's what it comes down to, Um, to compete on a daily basis in a uh, competitive uh, global environment. And then should uh, that competition transition to conflict, uh, then we have to be able to prevail in conflict. And so that's the readiness that we're trying to uh, achieve for our Army and for our nation. Um, You also uh, mentioned when when we were dialoguing earlier today, uh, that you didn't want this to be a briefing, that you wanted to be a discussion <laughs> yeah, uh, between uh, uh, three old colonels in the Force Combat headquarters <laughs> uh, re- responsible for um, informing readiness for the Force Comm leadership and for our subordinate units. And so uh, that, I think that's what we're going to try to, to drive for you here today. Um, my, my directorate is the, the Force Com, uh G3 pr- Plans Directorate. Um, y- you mentioned earlier Rearm. Rearm is uh, one of the principal areas that we focus on. Uh Rearm has gone uh, uh, full uh, initially operational capable for our Army as of the first of October of this year so the intent was that it would become the Army's readiness generation model uh, beginning in FY22 and so while we are still developing it as as a process and it is our readiness generation model replacing sustainable readiness as our previous generation model um, so, uh, so to talk about what REARM does, REARM is is simply a mnemonic device that we use. That means regionally aligned and readiness and modernization model. It allows us to modernize our army so that we can prevail on a multi-domain operations battlefield in the future, while not degrading the readiness that is required to win in conflict today. And so, it does those two things. Additionally, what it does is. The rearm model helps us to align forces geographically, um, and I can talk through some of that if you'd like with regard to uh, our geographic force pools, uh, and also functionally uh, with regard to the responsiveness of forces and those forces that need to be on a more responsive uh, posture than, than others so really those three things allows us to modernize and allows us to, to maintain readiness required to prevail today while we uh, conduct that modernization and allows us to uh, align regionally and functionally and that's really what the the rearm model does in order to generate readiness force now how is the rearm model broken down it it's it's really fairly simple it breaks down into three distinct Uh, cycles, if you will, and we call this the unit life cycle. So each unit in the Army will have a unit life cycle. Those three cycles are modernization, training, and mission. Uh, And mission can look like a number of different things. Uh, Right now the cycle is an eight-month cycle. So eight months of modernization, eight months of training, and Ah. eight months of of mission cycle. Uh, And then that cycle begins over again. Now there are some variations to that. Three unit cycle life cycle or or we we call what we call mission line so that's that would what i just described would be a three uh, unit mission line so that some units may have two mission cycles in a row Uh, for example they may may go from uh, prepare to deploy to a deployed mission Uh, so that would be a modernization training mission mission but it's all some variation of those three uh, uh, cycles of the the unit life cycle.
0: No, oh, sir. I had heard in first talks about rearm that one of the the goals was to provide a little bit more uh, predictability for units. And is that what what rearm is doing with these with what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, 100. percent We're getting great feedback from the from the force on that. So, and I'm sure that Mark will talk about this a little bit if if it gets into the uh, to the uh, army synchronization and and uh, 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 scheduling. Uh, conference that we do the ASRC that's done twice a year, um, but, but you know, we're at the point now where we're out, we're looking out six years and wow. getting the cycle built in. Units have got, you know, they're, they're, once these that cycle gets built um, from force providers, uh, then units start to populate that with where they are within each of those cycles, and so we're, we're really able to drive uh, predictability a lot further out than we've historically seen.
0: So, I mean, really, we're talking about, you know, readiness, but we're also, I mean, people, too. You know it all comes back to people and being able to provide that predictability yeah. is is huge for soldiers and families and well and units. people being
1: the chief of staff of the army's number one priority giving that predict predictability is key yeah. i mean that's the one thing that we we consistently hear from soldiers and army army families is you know predictability is the one thing that we you know we'd really like to have in life yeah uh, in our service, and so we we, we believe this model is going to going to really improve <coughs> that for soldiers and Army families.
0: Okay, and so yeah. you were talking about some of the regionally aligned forces. Can you talk a little bit more about
1: that? Yeah, so y- y- you know that our our uh, our forces are broken into uh, uh, geographic combatant commands, and we've we've identified forces that are are aligned with those geographic combatant commands, uh, so that they can conduct uh, theater security cooperation associated with those. The partnered forces within those geographic combatant commands, so that they have interoperability um, with those geogra- geographic combatant commands, and so that they can uh, achieve greater awareness about those the, the ge- geography of those geographic combatant commands. Makes sense. Yeah, we also have globally aligned forces uh, so that we have our most responsive forces that are postured to respond, uh, and and have achieved a a readiness posture that is uh, a, a advanced so that they are capable of responding on. Uh, limited notice.
0: Okay, and so Colonel Ortiz, how are we measuring readiness? And I know there are there are a lot of different ways we do this, but can you can you simplify it <clears throat> just a little bit?
2: I think I can. I think we can do that. <laughs> so first of all, I just know I'm I'm uh, the director of the Operations and Readiness uh, Directorate, and. Uh, I'm actually a chemical officer. No. Oh. And the reason why I bring that up is because USR unit that is reported. Uh, I've been involved with that since I was a since I was a sergeant actually. And so, when you talk about readiness, how do we measure readiness? That has been around forever, um, and it comprises of uh, measuring the amount of personnel you have, the authorized personnel you have, the people that are on hand. Uh, it involves your equipment, the equipment that's on hand, equip- the serviceability of that equipment. And the last piece is the training part of that. Why is that important? Because everything he was talking about, when you talk modernization, this units can actually predict that during that time frame when they're doing modernization, they are not going to be up to par. It's not as it's it's like a zero zero sum defect, if you will. If you are doing modernization, we know that you're not going to be ready to go out tomorrow out the door. Uh, so the predictability part that that, That's uh, interesting. that they were talking about helps us. And knowing that some of these units are going to be not necessarily out of commission because there's some training that can happen while they don't have their equipment, sure. Uh, but it is not what is expected of those units. They can fill out some other mission requirements for smaller smaller elements.
0: Well, and and maybe I'm completely wrong in this, but, you know, we're talking about modernization. And to me, that is fielding new equipment. And so if we're fielding new equipment, that's still training. You know, I mean, we're still learning to use that new equipment?
2: Yes and no. Okay. Um, because when you're learning, you'll go through a phase when where you're learning how to do that. You're not really training. When I talk training, I talk training with a squad. Okay. Because that's what we're looking for. The squads that be ready to uh, go on and, and perform their mission. Okay. Um, it's not necessarily about the individual. The individual can go to schools and everything else throughout any other phases <coughs> that, that Pat brought out. But uh, the uh, the squad itself or the unit that's going to be training. That's where we concentrate on the train. That's what we want to know that it's ready to go. And okay. Do their mission. Okay. Um, so part of this, it, when we talk about this, is we really want to know is do you have all the people you need to have? Sure. And while we're during the modernization phase, we may not have everybody there because they're going to school, we're doing other stuff. Maybe they're helping with the transition of the equipment while we're turning in equipment, and getting new equipment in. Uh, as we go through the training phase, we should have a good percentage of that unit up and working through the through the different fat. Uh, yeah, different phases of getting okay. ready for their mission. Their 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 next step, which is the mission, and during the, during the mission, obviously you gotta be ready to go sure. anytime you need to. There'll be there'll be units that will go mm-hmm. out on a mission. There'll be units that'll be ready to go on a mission. They'll be standing by for for orders to go out. Um, all this is important in my mind um, for all squad leaders and all platoon sergeants to know this information. What is it that we're looking for? And I know most of them don't pay attention because it's the staff, the staffs that do this that provide this report, but we're based it on the people on the ground doing the right thing, making sure they order the parts at the right time. They're doing the PMCs right. on their vehicles so that we can order the right parts and have them for them and then ensure that those vehicles are up to par before they're ready to go out. You
0: know, I think it's, um, it's enlightening to talk to you guys just because, you know, you think Again, maybe I'm just thinking about it really basically, but you think readiness and you think, oh, I got to get my people ready, but you don't necessarily think about, well, the equipment needs to be ready too, and all of the other things that really e- encompass readiness.
2: Absolutely. So um, there are other things that happen with soldiers their personnel health readiness sure. assessment. That's a yearly thing that we don't think about going to the eye doctor going to the dentist. Yeah. You need to get those things done. So why am I talking this way? Because I think the platoon sergeants, the squad leaders, they need to take care of this task. Yes, it may not be something that's important all the time, but I know when I was growing up, I used to carry a book on each one of my soldiers that had all that stuff. So I think that's important. That is important. Uh, something to go back to basics, if you will. <clears throat> I think starting a new model, we say new, but we've been working on this stuff for two years, two years, I think <laughs> so. but since it's coming out to the field, it's going back to those basics. I think you heard Sergeant Major of the Army to speak about this. Go back to the basics. Know everything about your soldiers. Well, that's what it involves. It involves, when was the last time you went to your eye doctor? Oh, Too it's long been a ago. Year? You need to go back. <laughs> and that's part of this, because yeah. when we do the checks to make sure you're ready to go, that's one of those checks that said, have you been to the eye doctor every year? So I'm kind of talking really basic, but I think it's important that we talk mm-hmm. about the basics in order to no, talk absolutely. about readiness. Because when we're getting ready to, Getting ready to go out the door, you don't want to be stopped because your teeth are crooked. Yeah. Actually, they're hurting. They're crooked. Or,
0: or you need a fill in or something Correct. crazy. Correct. So, I'm going to, you, you said something and it triggered this question, but what has the feedback been from commanders on rearm? Have you, I mean, are they, I know it's still relatively new, but is this something that they're they are excited about?
1: Yeah, so I think anything that increases the predictability uh, for, for units uh, and for soldiers and their families, people are going <coughs> to be excited about it. Yeah. The proof comes in the pudding, though, right? And so this <laughs> is a, uh, it's, it's a nascent model right now. Um, it's only been operational for, what, uh, a quarter, quarter just yes. over a quarter but, now. Yeah. Um, and although, like Fred said, uh, it's been in development for several years since uh, tw- it's, a res- it's a response to the 2018 National uh, Defense Strategy. Um, so, it has been in, develop, in development for quite some time, um, but I think that, that commanders um, are, are starting to see the proof in the pudding of rearm and its effectiveness yeah. as, a, as a readiness model.
0: You know, when you say 2018, I feel like it shouldn't be so long ago, but gosh, that was,
2: what, four years ago now? Yeah. <laughs> What's a long time ago? <laughs> well, but when you also talk about this, you got to talk about the technology and how fast it's moving, moving you know. When you talk about technology and how fast it moves, sometimes our modernization uh, projects, by the time they get out to the force, they're old. <laughs> and I think that some of the stuff that we're doing is, yeah. is trying to catch up with that part. Yeah, uh, it's something that we see at at this level is what you, when you actually look at all this stuff and you go, you have the time to see a, a bigger picture. Yeah, um, you know, as part of like the readiness piece, it's not necessarily to go on a mission, but there are times when they go to a, a training event that you know we have to set up. It yeah. also have to be measured so.
0: I'll say I'm an, I'm an Army spouse, and just the idea of my husband being able to say this is when I'm going to do this and this is when I'm going to do that, that is, is appealing. You know, I mean, we're always trying to plan something, and to have that predictability is nice. Yeah. So I'm going to move on to Colonel Giraldi. Um, so what do you think everyone should understand about Force comm training and readiness?
3: Oh, great question. Before I dive into it, just a couple things. First, just a, a touch about me. I'm the uh, Forces Command Director of Training. So that's my ballywick, um, and a couple comments of what my colleagues said. So first off to Colonel Pat Stitch, I will explicitly not talk about the Army synchronization and resourcing <laughs> conference, because this is not, I don't think this is meant to be like a sleep aid podcast no. to put to sleep. Because <laughs> yeah. that would be the quickest way to put somebody to sleep is to talk about a conference. March. That's right. uh, and then uh, to touch on uh, uh, what Colonel Fred Ortiz is mentioning, you know, he covers all readiness. What I'm going to talk about here, being that I'm the director of training, is to kind of hyper-focus on training readiness. Okay. Um, so in your question, you talked about what everyone should understand. So I just want to be clear on what, what I'm talking about, the everyone here. The everyone here, for me, it's staff sergeants and below, down to soldier level. And the reason being is, you know, you're, you, you'll hear some pretty, you know, high-speed concepts, you know, big concepts that, that, that we talked, uh, my colleagues just spoke about. But none of this works unless our staff sergeants, our squad leaders, our team leaders, down to our individual soldiers understand how Absolutely. they fit into into uh, this whole um, this whole concept. Yeah. Um, so it's no secret that uh, our army exists uh, for one purpose and one purpose only—that is to fight and win our nation's wars. Period. That's why we're here. Um, so Forcecom's role in that is, pro- is to produce those units that are highly trained and disciplined to actually do that fighting and be victorious on the battlefield. So our training strategy, um, it's what enables, again, at the lowest level uh, our, our soldiers, our team leaders, our squad leaders um, to do just that on the battlefield. So readiness um, starting at its lowest level, that's what enables us to win.
0: And so when you talk about the foundational training approach, what, what do you mean by that?
3: Uh, so first, um, and I like to use a lot of metaphors, so hopefully um, I don't lose folks in it. But it's <laughs> the it's, uh, it's simplest kind of terminology. It's crawl, walk, want, run methodology. We're not going to go straight to a sprint or straight to a speed walk. You're going you're gonna to do that crawl phase sure. first before you progress. Um, as the name implies, foundational, uh, it's just like building a building. You start at the foundation, uh, which is at that individual soldier level, and then you move up to, to that crew level or team level, uh, and then you move up to your squad and so on um, before you move on. So our strategy is, is very much focused at the company level. And below, focusing on the fundamentals. So, you know, for football folks out there, um, we just had the college championship. You know, blocking and tackling. Uh, Were you happy
0: with the outcome? I was.
3: It was a great game, by the <laughs> way, too. So, I think <laughs> I, I you think just, everyone enjoyed the game. Uh, some more happy than others. <laughs> you, ju- you just lost half of the population in <laughs> this, <laughs> in this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but, but not the true football fans who just <laughs> love the game. So. Um, that's a good good diversion there. But yeah, so focusing on those fundamentals at the, at the company level and below. You know, so how do we do this? Is it magic? No. <laughs> um, so by focusing at that, that's lower echelons, that allows you to kind of apply more resources. So the most basic resource is time. And, and, and Fred and Pat talked about predictability and carving out the time to to do that. But then there's other things too, tangible things, tangible resources. You know, ammo. We like to shoot things and blow things up. That, that's part of our mission of how we fight and win on the battlefield. So more resources will be devoted. You know, uh, ammo to uh, at the, those lower echelons, those lower levels. Fuel. You got to drive your your tanks or your fighting vehicles or whatever your your trucks. Uh, so all those resources will be focused more at those lower echelons. Um, so what that does is it, it allows those lower levels um, to get uh, more you know, repetitions in and then sets of repetitions. So just think to the gym, you know, we all go to the gym, it's your sets <laughs> and reps. Mm-hmm. And those are focused at your lower levels, company and below, so they keep, keep doing, you know, keep firing their weapons, keep maneuvering their teams, et cetera, et cetera. Until uh, they get better and better uh, again those blocking and, and tackling tasks, and that's that solid foundation Once that foundation's built you move up to the next and so on
0: and so it kind of sounds like what you're saying is And the CG talks about this all the time mastering the fundamentals. Yes, and so it's in Why why is that so important? Um, you know, we're, we're doing the foundational, but why do we need to master it?
3: right uh, Great question. Uh, <laughs> you know, soldiers small units, um, you've got to be, you know, each each unit, each soldier has a specific task, specific mission on the battlefield, uh, and that's what we're relying on um, as a combined force um, to get the mission done. So you've got to first master your individual skills, your own individual weapon, you know, that's everybody across the board. Um, if you're assigned a vehicle, how to operate and maintain that vehicle, um, and then whatever your specialty is, if you're a tank, you better be able to shoot the tank. Um, if you're a, a chemical environment specialist, like uh, Fred was talking about, he is, you better be able to know how to use detection equipment and decon, uh, decon decontamination equipment, et cetera. So if you don't have those fundamentals, um, you just you're not providing those. One, you're not taking care of yourself your basic shoot, move, and communicate. How do I sure. survive and talk on the battlefield? And then you're not providing that, that capability that we need to fight and win on the battlefield.
2: Okay. Uh, can, I, can I bring yeah, up something yeah, to your point? And I, I think something that, talking about the football piece and everything else, I started thinking, I coached uh, kids when I was younger. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it, it brings it back to that point. How do you build a team? And you can't build a team unless the te- each individual on the team knows their job. Sure. And so I think that that's part of the foundational piece is to know our individual pieces so that when the coach comes on board, that brigade commander, division commander, corps commander, force comp commander, those pieces come together to complete the mission.
0: But would you say, too, you know, it's, it builds trust within your team, too. Oh, if you can sorry. look to the person next to you and know that they know how to do their job, that only helps with your unit cohesion and trust within unit
2: so so within my within my director we also do fan people are going to love this we do the <laughs> emergency de- deployment readiness expert oh, or the, the, yes, the guy. yes i'm the guy i'm the responsible guy so <laughs> for everybody out there it's me uh no it's my team it's not just me my team see this is where the team part comes uh no but it's important to understand that we're not doing this to be a pain in the neck we're doing to make sure that you can you those NCOs and those officers that are asked to perform certain duties, like uh, anything from the hazardous material serf- uh, certification, that you get cert- hazardous material certification so that you can put the right equipment in the right place in order to, to deploy, that those individuals did their part so the rest of the unit don't have to look at that part. Yeah, You know, the, the, the ammunition handler, the, the movement officer everybody has to be a movement officer i remember being a lieutenant hey you're going to be the UMO. wait what, what does that mean well you got to go to class and then when we're doing EDRI, you get to do this for for real <laughs> but when you're actually deploying it's very important unfortunately we, ch- we tend to choose those sergeants that are squad leaders or platoon sergeants that you're needed somewhere else sure and so i think it's important that for all this in a part of training and a part of all of us in in this g3 section we understand how this works uh we've Got plenty of experience of this stuff, <laughs> but not being here at the top, we can try to give up some of some of this information back to the units, back to the soldiers that are coming on board yeah. and learning how to do this stuff. Well, and I think too, if it's I can just jump
3: in real yeah, quick, yeah. sorry to wedge in. Um, so Fred, just talk about the uh, you know the emerging deployment um, program, the EDRI program, um, you know, it's kind of the, the he's the honest broker for it. And what Pat started off with saying, hey, you know, we've got this fairly newish concept of rearm. And uh, you know, Pat said, "Hey, proofs in the pudding." Well, Fred's the guy that uh, he's the honest broker to say, "Hey, is is the pudding? Is it straight? You know, are we trained and ready as we, as we think we are, as units yeah. think they are?" And uh, that's kind of one of those key things that ties it all together.
0: You know? Well, and all I can think about is when you're talking about injuries and readiness, is the IRF mission. And I mean, you think about the 82nd, who what? I don't even August, I guess it was. You know, yes, deployed within. Eighteen hours yes, ma'am. Um, to Afghanistan. I mean, they couldn't have done that without all of this, all of, you know, being prepared.
2: Absolutely, and and that's what's. I think the neat part, the neat part about being in this position where we sit at now, we've <laughs> we've experienced all this on the other side, and as you come up here, you start using that experience to try to help down to the units and ensure that sure. they understand what we're doing. One yeah. of the things that we're doing in the EDU program is. And I know it's been done in the past, but I'm restarting it again. Is put a checklist that allows the unit to understand hey, look, this when during your rear time where you do modernization, you can start looking at this. So when you go to training piece, you can start executing. So when you are in the mission phase and I do an EDRA in your unit, this should be second nature.
0: Right. And you had said something, too, you know, now that we're at the top, we can share some of the knowledge. But I think it's also important that when you're down at the lower level, you want to know that this isn't just the higher-ups telling you to do something for no good reason. You know, I mean, we've all been in the position where our higher headquarters has asked us for something, and we're like, oh, geez. But there's actually a reason for it.
2: <laughs> well, and, and that experience, again, I don't know. I, I mean, I've got almost 34 years in service. so old, man. I, think our experience I won't tell you how old is- I am say again? I
0: won't tell you how old yeah. I am.
2: Well, we don't have to go there either. <laughs> However, uh, but the only reason for bringing that up is it tells you that we've been through many of these sure. uh, uh, experiences. Sure. Whether it was deployment, exercises, Edris it doesn't matter what you call it, it's all the same thing. You have to train to, to be ready to go and in order to be ready, <laughs> we just remind you that there are some basic stuff in here that is necessary for your unit from yourself to the squad to the platoon, to the company, and so on, so that the team is ready to go when it's called upon. Sure.
0: And so I know we're running out of time, um, but I just want a couple more questions. Um, and I think this one probably pertains to everybody. I know we talked about it a little already, Colonel Stitch, but what is the relationship between people, people first, and, and readiness? Um, do you want to add anything, Colonel Stitch? I know we talked with rearm and yep, predictability. Yeah
3: no, I could yep. show. You go. Well, go ahead, Mark. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Patrick talked a little bit about, you know, the predictability right. and you tied into that being a military spouse. The, pre- the predictability that REOM provides, that's certainly a part of People First. Um, the end I want to focus on is that um, trained and ready, to me, uh, I know to, to, to RCG as well, General Garrett, it, that, that is People First at its most fundamental level because, and that's why we're focusing at the, at the company level and below, because that's the point of contact. That's when we're, you know, if and when we get called to fight our nation's war, at that initial point of contact with the enemy, um, you know, these are, you know, our soldiers, it's America's sons and daughters. We want them to be fully ready to fight and win, and in this modern era, uh, key thing here is also, and survive. You know, we're focusing now more on large-scale combat operations, much more deadly environments, uh, much more lethal environments. So it's so critical. Um, so, you know, to, to me, you know, the trained portion of it, the readiness portion of it is so fundamental to taking care of, of, of our people across the board.
0: I mean, people, you have to have people to be ready, right? I mean, without people, we don't have an army. <laughs> so I think it all ties together. Um, so, again, I know we don't have forever with you guys. I think we could probably talk about readiness forever, um, but I want to give you each a chance to c- just kind of give your bottom line up front on on each of your sections, on what we've talked about so far. So, Colonel Stitch, I'll go with you first.
1: Okay, great. Thanks. Uh, well, number one, I appreciate the opportunity to, to speak about the team that I, I have the privilege of being on. Uh, you know, we've got, I think each of us have got a robust team of, uh, of, of true professionals, many who are uh, re- retired or served uh, within in, in uniform and who choose to continue to serve as Department of Army civilians or, or even contractors, um, and and they take this business very seriously b- because they they know that you know e- even here in the in the big building you know <laughs> building that has a, a, a recording studio um, that the the things that they do on a daily basis impact the soldier that's on the ground and that soldier's family. And so uh, we may talk about, you know, a, a unit life cycle that has three models that are very broad brush. But uh, every time uh, one of one of these, our team members, uh, you know, puts a pen to paper to make an adjustment of that, th- they do that with the knowledge of what, what that impact has on a soldier and their family.
0: I mean, that's really important.
1: Yeah.
0: Colonel Ortiz?
2: Um, Along with our team members, not only the uh, the, uh, the Department of the Army civilian and contractors, we also have members from the National Guard and the Reserves that are very important to our teams. Uh, this is not all done with uh, regular Army soldiers. Uh, the the Reserves and the, and the National Guard bring incredible amount of information to the teams, yeah. whether it's in the readiness uh, piece, whether it's in the e whether it's deploying. My uh, you know I, I handle. The deployments of all mm-hmm. the units getting out so the equipment when it's going on you tell me I need an aircraft to fly out and I tell you, you no, know, it's got to go by boat yeah <laughs> my team is the one doing that so there are a lot of a lot of folks in, in my office that as, as Pat brought up they have a lot of experience a lot of expertise that can provide us with some great tools to help us some some cheat sheets if you will to help us get to where we need to go but the work still has to be done and that work is done by the soldiers And so my appreciation is not lost in the fact that even though we can tell them everything we know, the soldier still has to learn it and do it. Sure. Uh, It's very important. So I I do appreciate the the opportunity to speak and to to be able to be with with two colonels down here up here talking about this, (laughs) but I think it's important and I appreciate that opportunity.
3: Agreed. All right, Colonel Giraldi. Yeah, I'll I'll pick up on uh, the soldier theme that that Fred was talking about. Um, So I just really want to emphasize Uh, If you're a squad leader, maneuvering your squad, if you're a tank or Bradley um, um, commander, um, crew chief, or if you're an individual soldier qualifying your weapon, you all have an individual role in making this whole thing go and making sure that we are trained and ready to fight and win our nation's war.
0: All right. Well, and like I said, I think we could probably go on and on about this. Um, I don't think we even scratched the surface, to be completely honest, Um, but I know that you guys are all very busy. um, And so I really appreciate you taking the time to have this short conversation. And maybe in the future we can talk a little bit longer. All
2: right. Thanks. (laughs) I appreciate the opportunity.
0: As I mentioned at the start of the episode... We will be back next week with a new episode and conversation with Major General D.A. Sims, 1st Infantry Division Commanding General, and we'll talk about Operation Victory Wellness. In the meantime, you can get all of your Force Com news and stay up to date with what is happening around the command on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. We'll be coming more frequently this year. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on The Frontline.